Okay, I'm doing an unprecedented second intro for a Christmas episode, this time for a very different reason. Uh, so we are pretty laid back on this show about spoilers, and typically I feel okay about it because we're reviewing pretty common things and people can decide for themselves, you know, oh, I'd, I don't care if I know what happens in Footloose, so I'm going to go ahead and listen to this episode. This one is stranger in that I don't think many people at all uh, listening to this will have heard of the movie we're talking about, uh, Deadly G Games, a.k.a. a bunch of other titles. And we are pretty liberal in our spoilers. Uh, all of the plot developments, including the ending, and there's a moment in the record where we realize we feel kind of bad that we're spoiling everything for a movie that very few people have probably seen or even heard of. So I wanted to quickly record this and say, before you dive in, maybe consider giving the movie a shot. Uh, you're probably listening to this during the Christmas season, and everyone's always looking for new Christmas movies, right? This one is not. Uh, this one is more a suspense horror film than anything, and maybe that's not your jam, in which case, hey, just, you know, fine, you can listen to us spoil it. But if you're looking for something different, go give this movie a shot. Shut this off right now. Or, I mean, okay, maybe after the intro, listen to Tef Sound's theme song and then, you know, go gather your loved ones and sit them down and go, we're going to watch this this Christmas movie. It's a real feel-good Christmas movie. And, you know, don't tell them that it's not that at all and it'll be a funny prank. Uh, and then come back and listen to us spoil it uh, mercilessly from top to bottom. Retro thing for what it is Nostalgia goggles heavy On those things when we were kids I've got the memories of falling While my hair was turning gray I'm thinking back on all the things That were better yesterday So for all those things nostalgic I also do is to like this So for all those things nostalgic I also do is to like this Okay, the festivities continue, except chronologically it's like a day after we recorded the first episode, so it's barely even close to Christmas still. But the festivities continue for the rest of you as we move into our second Christmas episode, and the one that I said will break one of the only rules we haven't broken yet. Uh, joining me here. Sam also. Sam also. Welcome to Christmas. I'm ready. Christmas is happy to have you here. And thank you for indulging in this rule break of a movie neither of us have seen. <laughs> I didn't know that this existed until you sent me like a photo of the cover a while back. And that was kind of the clincher for me. Yeah, I this movie came on my radar last year when Shudder got it. And I was like, this seems like something I need to watch. And then this year, uh, Vinegar Syndrome released a big 4K special edition of it. So I was like, I want to indulge in that. And I realized, you know what? At this point, the rules of the podcast have been just beaten mercilessly into an unrecognizable pulp. And as much as I've been trying to get us back to that, it's also, you know, we can kind of do whatever we want. And I wanted to do this movie, Deadly Games, slash Dial Code Santa Claus, slash Game Over, slash 36.15 Code Père Noël. 
slash I think even a couple of other names. It's got a lot of titles. Yeah, I think on the cover it's Deadly Games and then below it Dial Code Santa Claus. But I think in the actual movie, the title came up as 36.15 Code Parent and Well. Yep. This is, uh, believe it or not, a French movie. If you hadn't gathered that by how many times I've said Père Noël in a very clearly English dude trying to say French <laughs> words away. Uh, Sam also, can you say it proper? Père Noël. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> We're going to have to hit you up pretty hard on some of them French pronunciations probably for the rest of this episode. So this is uh, from 1989. And it predates Home Alone by one year. And Sam, tell me if this plot sounds familiar. Young boy, probably, you know, seven, eight, seven to nine range. I don't know if they ever say. Yeah, I, I think like... he's about to turn 10, I think they say. Okay, I think Kevin was eight, eight or nine. Maybe he was 10. I don't remember now. I'm sure it would say somewhere. In a big ass house. And on Christmas Eve encounters people trying to break into that house where we see, oh, he's going to have to set up a series of elaborate traps to deal with this intruder on his big Christmas in his big house on Christmas Eve. Except whereas in Home Alone, it was two bumbling robbers looking to steal things here. It's a creepy dude in a Santa suit looking to either murder, molest, or both. I feel like both was probably probably pretty likely for this poor kid. Yeah, so the stakes are arguably much, much higher for our Deadly Games protagonist. Let's see if I can remember. Um, God, what, Thomas? Tommy, I think. Tommy. Uh, who is introduced in perhaps the best way any character has ever been introduced in cinema? This kid sleeps in in like you know like a bomber jet. In a bomber jet, he wakes up to like combat noises and a like, fan blowing on his face to replicate flying in a bomber jet. Pretty it's a pretty intricate bedroom. And then yeah, then we get the full scope of the house and you know Kevin McAllister he does some pretty good, you know, intense stuff with what he has at his disposal but what he did not have at his disposal was a literal trap door in his hallway (laughs) as this kid terrorizes their dog which at first i thought we were supposed to kind of be sad about but the dog seemed pretty chill about it because he falls in a big hole in the hall but oh he's just in a net so it's fine yeah yeah he seemed all right yeah uh he lives with his mom i don't think we ever find out what happened to the dad no. Uh, yeah, he lives with his mom and his, I was going to say legally blind grandpa, but I think it goes beyond legally blind. He's like very nearly just completely blind, I think. Yeah, we get some POV perspective shots and the grandpa, it's all just one massive blur, which is good setup for later when there's a molesty Santa Claus running around. <laughs> Uh, actually, I think the first thing that happens is we're introduced to that guy as he tries to barge into a neighborhood kid's snowball fight. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, you froze. Now I got to keep this thing going by myself. Yep, and you're frozen. 
I can still hear you at least. Can you still hear me? Are you and, still there? And you're back. <laughs> yep. Now it's a question of, did I edit all of that out <laughs> or does everyone get the full online recording experience? Uh, I don't know if you said it's anything. It's just part of the 2020 podcast experience, I yeah. think. Like, I'm you sure just if, have to deal with the Zoom being a, kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, I'm sure if you're all listening to other podcasts, they're encountering similar issues. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you actually said anything, but I was bringing up that the first scene is actually who the guy who ends up as our villain joyful, kind of joyfully trying to jump in on a neighborhood kid snowball fight. Yeah, and the kids are like, you're not in our gang, and then they just all kind of scatter and run away. Yeah, and he looks actually confused. Yeah, he... he... So, he seems like an okay guy at the at the very first scene. But, the, uh... Yeah, in the very first <laughs> scene. His second scene goes a different direction. Uh, so our ma- Tommy 100% believes in Santa Claus. And they have this... I guess what must have been technologically advanced at the time, but it's basically like a, a chat support kind of system that they say gives you a direct line to Santa Claus. Yeah. Right. Which seems to go to some kind of like kiosk that they just have in public where it seems like adults can just sort of pretend to be Santa Claus and chat with kids, which <laughs> seems ill-advised. Yeah. I wasn't completely clear on the end goal of that initiative. I like the idea of, hey, do you want to, you know, Amazon support style, just jump on and you have a rep on the other end who goes, oh, have you been good or bad? Cool. You'll get a hammer or I don't know, (laughs) whatever. But this, yeah, it just seemed to feed into a public kiosk that you or I could go up to if we so chose. And if a kid was, you know, hey, Santa, I'd be like, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, it seemed to be in like a train station, I think. Yeah. What am I getting for Christmas? Nothing. I'm going to bone your mom, though. Peace, SC. Which yeah. would be fun. Yeah, I don't. I don't see that. Uh, I don't. I don't see that kiosk not being used for nefarious purposes. Which <laughs> I guess it kind of immediately is. Yeah, this movie makes it very clear what would happen as our uh, snowball fight man uh, hops on and starts. I mean, the kids. I guess still too young to piece together that. Uh oh, this is. Some classic stranger, stranger danger. Yeah, some classic stranger danger. <laughs> like, oh, do you want to play? Where do you live? Are your parents home? Which really put in that I need to start teaching my kids now. Well, I think too, like it, it strangers da- stranger danger was not as much of a thing in the eighties. What about in France? Do you think? Yeah. Hmm. Probably even less so. Do you think so? I feel like they would be super uptight about that kind of stuff. Maybe. Maybe that's know. just you know our preconceived cliched notion of what it's like over there um yeah so i gotta start telling my kids now that whenever anyone anyone anywhere asks do you want to play you kick them in the junk and you run and maybe maybe like like an age cap on that though first no (laughs) just like (laughs) how was her first day of kindergarten well i'm glad you asked So Julie here wanted to play in the sandbox and it seems your daughter kicked her in the privates and just ran away. Good. What's the problem? I don't know, Julie. (laughs) So that does not happen. Well, the key doesn't really answer, but it's more so I think because his friend is there and his friend is like, "Eh." 
Yeah, his friend is telling him, like, this is 100% a molester. Yeah, this doesn't <laughs> like seem his on his friend cottoned on real quick. And then, the, well, the connection also dies. I forget why, but the connection dies. Yeah. Because then we see, I don't think he ever gets a name, does he? The guy, evil Santa Claus? No, I don't just, think so. He's just credited as Santa Claus. Uh, he is, I think he has already gotten the address, but he's, you know, banging on the kiosk because he lost the connection to this kid. And then his worst scene, well, actually, no, his worst scene, I guess, is the entire third act where he tries to break in and get this kid. Like the worst scene before he becomes evil Santa Claus, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He actually does have a job as a Santa Claus. So that's how he ends up with the suit. But as he's, you know, got the kid in his lap, he's listening. He's just kind of, you know, stroking the kid's face. Yeah. It's awful. It, yeah, it was uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, and thank God for that other mom who just shows up and says, you know, okay, this seems weird. You just stay with me. Do not talk to that man anymore. Well, he slaps her across the face. She says that he doesn't like she doesn't like his face. He's not the real Santa Claus. Pulls down oh, his beard and then right. he smacks the shit out of this like six-year-old kid. Yeah, that's right. Uh, not surprisingly, gets fired. Yes. And now he's got a free night, so why not break into this house and try and murder molest this child? Well, and it's also worth noting that the mother who takes the slapped kid away is Tommy's mother, who runs a toy company, I think. Yeah, she's the classic over... She's there on Christmas Eve, seemingly not angry about it. They don't really get into that, but... Yeah, and like she's planned like this big, it seems like Christmas celebration with like all kinds of crazy shit going on that she's planned like the morning of for Christmas Eve night. It was all very poorly planned. Yeah, that also. And when they show the party, there's fucking jugglers and I think dudes blowing fire. And as someone who has sat on Christmas party organization committees, a part, I guess they must have a ton of money to throw around, but it is also Christmas Eve. Many places are closed. I feel like any last minute Christmas Eve party is going to be what you had in the fridge. I mean, to be fair, they did get molester Santa. They did. So, yes, that's true. They were just kind of taking what they could get. We don't know the quality of flamethrower breath, breath, flame breath guys they got. Right after the scene cuts away, the whole thing catches on fire. and They're just... There's a whole subplot where she's like, this is going to be a lot of lawsuits. <laughs> a lot of burn victims. But we don't, yeah, so the mom has to be, you know, out of, why, why would she be out of commission on Christmas Eve? Because she's, you know, she's a workaholic. Yep. Um, so he's at home alone with the grandpa. And then evil Santa rolls in. Yeah, and I believe what happens too is he goes to the firing department and while he's there overhears that like this woman's kid is having his toys delivered and he like impersonates the delivery driver. Yes. Okay. He can take the the goodies and it just happens to be the same kid that he was, you know, chatting with over the molestation kiosk. I'm not being rude. I'm literally making sure that I I didn't, I was verifying. I didn't make any notes. And the reason I didn't is just, I guess slight spoilers for my opinion is I was just like 
invested in what was happening. So I very- was, yeah, I was genuinely expecting this to be kind of terrible. And yeah, once this starts rolling, like I could not tear myself away. Yeah. Like once Santa barges into the kid's house, he makes it. There's no even, I thought maybe we'd have a little bit of a movie or piece of the movie where Tommy's like, oh my God, Santa. And the guy's like, that's right. And then things start to slowly dawn on Tommy that this guy might be a, and I wasn't emotionally prepared for the tension of Tommy, Jesus Christ, no. But it doesn't help that what actually happens is that Santa just immediately kills his dog. Yes. So you get like that, like maybe 15 seconds of like Tommy hiding under the table and like you see like this look of pure joy on his face. He's going to be the first kid to capture Santa on video. And like that was his whole thing is that he's got like, you know, because he's super genius. Right. So he's got all the cameras rigged to record and he's got this look of just like pure elation. And then immediately his dog gets stabbed in the neck with a serving knife. Yeah, because the dog, you know senses hey this isn't this is a molesty santa claus i don't like this uh yeah he also has a um like a device he wears on his wrist that is also connected to you know throughout the house so he can at any given point see you know where things are happening and what's going on lots of good groundwork laid in the first chunk of this movie that pay off later like you know we see the trap in the hall and we go ah I have filed that away up here because I know that's going to be important later. And the movie trusts us to remember that and doesn't have to be like, wait, don't you have a trap door set up in the hall? You're right, Grandpa. I'm a- No, the movie knows we have functioning eyeballs and brains. And we yeah, know... Yeah, it doesn't dumb itself down. No. Uh, it is... Yeah, so after the dog dies, Tommy knows, oh shit, it's on. And... I, he definitely, the, he's more on the run for the first part. And I'm trying to remember when the switch happens. And we had, I think it's because he and the grandpa hide in this secret passage full of old toys that is buried underneath the house. Yeah, there seems to be. And he like gets into it a little bit that it's like, this secret passageway that exists that like is filled with his father's toys and his father's father's toys. And someday it will be filled with his, like some kind of like weird ancestral toy burial ground. Yeah, And it's weird. Cause his father's father didn't know it existed. I think he even said, Oh, even mom doesn't know this is here. Yeah. I, I assume that, that Pappy was his mom's father, but yeah, it's never really. Oh yeah. That's a, f- okay. That's actually a very fair point. That's probably true. But yes, pretty amazing that they have this weird toy graveyard that you can only access if you was it like a it was an old fridge in the basement that was hollowed out at the back because they enter a fridge and I'm like, what are you doing? He's going to find you in there. Oh, secret toy. Okay. Yeah, I'm in. I will say that the layout of this house made zero sense. Like I hit it at first. I was trying to keep track of like which trap door went where and like because there's a few of them. And yeah, at a certain point, I just kind of gave up because it makes zero sense. And like, there's constantly new rooms being introduced that like fit nowhere. That's very on brand for you that you would get hung up on the architecture. (laughs) Just pointing, I assume you watched it alone as I did, but just turning to the person next to you and going, let me tell you why this secret toy passage is bullshit. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I didn't think it was bullshit. I just, I kind of stopped trying to mentally piece the house together at a certain point. Probably for the best. It's yes. like that House of Leaves house, I assume. I haven't read it. Well, fuck that house. Okay. Yeah. One day, I'll, I'll take that dive. <laughs> uh, but that house probably doesn't have a bomber jet and a trap door. So yeah, fuck No, that probably house. not. It's not, not nearly as cool. It's just got like an alternate dimension, I think, possibly. But I'm Way less to... interesting. He, so he and Grandpa hide down there, and Grandpa, who's you know can't see shit, he's like, "You stay here. I'm gonna go deal with this." And Grandpa kind of has no choice but to go. Okay, I guess. Well, they try to escape, I think, in like the mom's car that again Tommy has fixed up because he's like super genius. So they try to escape in the car. The car won't start, and then he starts. Evil Santa starts headbutting the windshield. Yes! Oh my god! I forgot about yeah the. <laughs> His plan to get inside is, yeah, he just smashes his... And that's when we as an audience can go, oh, shit, this guy like, is... Yeah, he's really... He's going for it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so then they that attempt fails because the car... Or they get it to start. And then while he's, like, debating on whether or not he should mow down Santa, yeah. the car dies again. Yeah, yeah, the kid... Yes, they have a conversation about, like, is it murder time? And the grandpa is full gung-ho, like, yeah, 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 yeah. it's this, definitely murder time. It's murder time. Uh, but, yeah, the car doesn't come through for them. And then I think that's when they hide out in the toy thing. He's like, yeah. grandpa, you stay here. But I'm trying to remember what triggers it, because the kid is very much on the run. And then there's that awesome moment where he the switch flips... And he goes from the like being, you know, the chasey to he gives this speech over the PA system of like, well, I've been scared, but now you're the one who's going to be scared. And I was like, fuck, yes, here we go. I forget when that is. Yeah, I think it's it's later on, though. Like he's on the run for a fair bit, but like on the run, but like smart about it. So he's not just like, you know, running around flailing. He's like trying to get to the phone because the evil Santa has cut off all the phones, but they can hear ringing from the mother's office. She's got like another private line in her office, which seems to just be a completely empty attic. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Very confusing. And they have which a lot access of access through like, I don't know, an art gallery that was created by the people who designed Wolfenstein. I think <laughs> it is like one of those weird video game houses where it's like, Oh, to access the side room, you needed to, find their prop space helmet toy and lift it up and there's a switch underneath and you press that button and then it's like no one would ever deal with that shit even the kid doesn't know how to get to her office like i don't understand that was one thing that i had such an issue with is like evil santa is right behind him and it's like it took this kid like 25 minutes to find the office in his own home yeah yeah it's like yeah it is it's one of those resident it's like the police station in resident evil where you're like, okay, so I need to access the evidence room. Okay, well, you know the score. You got to take these three emblems and plug them into the fountain in the lobby and then solve a puzzle. And then you can go in and get the Coke that you need for that case you're working on. It has a very, yeah, weird, I guess, I mean, the kids, we can assume maybe the dad was also a genius and just rigged up this house to do a bunch of insane shit. Maybe it's, again, very weird layout. Yeah. Uh, but actually, even before that switch happened, because the first little bit is like little kid diehard because he's like, I got to get to that phone. So I got to be stealthy about it. He's even, you know, in bare feet out in the cold snow. And there's that scene where he's standing on the roof of the house yelling for his mom. And I was like, oh, my God, this is hitting me in a way I did not expect. Yeah, this it I got emotional. <laughs> yeah, there's this scene, this 
fucking incredible scene where he gets a moment to mourn his dead dog. And I think that's actually the, when he switches and does the speech about like, I'm going to now I'm coming for you and you're the one who's yep. going to be scared is set to a song by Bonnie Tyler, singer of Total Eclipse of the Heart. So like, this really sounds like the Total Eclipse of the Heart Lady. And it was an original song she made for this movie about like, <laughs> now it's time to be a man. And he's carrying his dead dog and burying his dead dog and having these, there's a montage about his dead dog. And it could be the cheesiest thing you've ever seen, but it weirdly works. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> like he's walking and he's like, so he's in like his little commando gear and he's like all like oiled up with like whatever his camouflage. And he's just crying as he carries his dog in slow motion with like the tongue lolling out of its mouth. Like it's, it's horrible. Yeah. It and worked. it works so well because that's your moment where you're like, man, I want him to get this guy. And that is the moment where it's like, okay, I'm going to set up some traps. But now I was going to say, unlike Home Alone, they're set to hurt. But those Home Alone traps are set to hurt. Yeah. It's been he... a while since I've seen Home Alone. But I remember like people getting hit in the head with like full cans of paint swung from like a floor up. So yeah, irons dropped on their face from about 40 feet and heads set aflame. Yeah. Kevin McAllister was not fucking around. <laughs> no. No. And at a certain point, on, you know, in, in Home Alone, we can just Trojan horse a Home Alone episode into this too. It's just cruel. <laughs> like the first couple of tricks probably should have been enough, but here, stupid enough to stay. Yeah. Also fair. They do hang around. So I'm wrong. Actually, the first couple of traps wouldn't have been enough. They keep going for it. So although he taunts them. So I feel like maybe there's a version of Home Alone where they go to open the door and then it burns their hand and they go, fuck this. But because he's, you know, yelling through the mail slot, hey, come and get me, you fuckers. Not, you know, probably not that, but. Yeah, it's been a while. I don't remember the lead up to uh, to the robbery. Eh, they just he overhears that they're going to rob his house. So he sets some traps. Okay. That's pretty much the lead up. Um, so, he, yeah, he has is also a really good. Halloween H2O moment where he traps Santa in like a sauna. I forget what he traps him in. Yeah, there's like a sauna in like their home gym because again, this house has everything. So yeah, and he closes the door, which has a little circular glass window, and they kind of and he just they stare each other down through the window, and it's oof, it's a goosebumpy moment. It's a good moment. Yeah, like obviously the kid's easy to root for. We want him to, and the guy is even extra because he's like spray painted his beard and his hair all white. And oh yeah, that was a good scene. Like right, like as he's like gearing up to do this, he's standing in front of the mirror with like just this absolute crazed look as he uses like freaking fake snow to color his hair and his beard. Yeah, like what I was not, I was kind of like you. I'd heard that this movie was good, but I didn't know if it was good, good. Or entertain, you know, entertaining good, which in the world of horror are two very different things. But the third act chase stuff is legitimately tense. Yeah. Like, like I said, once I got into it, like I was riveted, like I could not look away. I was like on the verge of tears a couple times. Like I was genuinely tense and like rooting for this kid. Yeah, because obviously we already, you know, it doesn't matter who the kid is. He shouldn't be in this situation. He's easy to root for. But also the movie makes it pretty clear that you know they killed the dog right away obviously we know the grandpa you know he's fair game we like the grandpa he spends most of the back half of the movie hiding in a suit of armor which i was kind of hoping would pay off in a badass fight but nah 
it just pays off in a tense moment where he needs insulin. And the Which kid is also to give very sad. Yeah. I, I, and I was probably like, Oh, they're going to kill. Like I kept waiting. Like, I hope it doesn't happen, but they're like, there's no way this grandpa survives the movie, but he did. He did. Yes. I also was expecting, and I was expecting, cause yeah, at that point, you know, Santa's kind of not entirely out of commission, but he's kind of out of the picture for a moment. He's got some, Tommy's got some breathing room and then he goes to check on Gramps and Gramps is like half dead in the suit of armor. Cause he's, in addition to being half blind, he's also diabetic. Yeah, I also now feel like I'm going to put an extra bit at the top of this episode to say, hey, you should probably go watch this movie first. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because I think we've gone into quite a bit of detail. <laughs> yeah, like, and I hope people did uh, actually go check it out. Because, hey, how often are there new Christmas movies? Well, it's not new. It's 21 years old. But I feel like it didn't become a thing on people's radar until the last little while. Yeah, I think in the Shutter description, it actually says that until they put it up on Shutter, it was only available as a bootleg. Yeah, I remember last year when they put it up, definitely seeing a lot of like, oh my god, I never thought this movie would make it over here, and everyone has to check this out. Which I'm glad it did, because this is genuinely a good movie. It's actually good! Like, I couldn't... I watch a lot of horror, and so do you. And I can count on, like, one hand the amount of old horror let's say that i go back to and i find like I, i'll watch a lot of old and find like oh this is you know entertaining and i watch a lot of the vinegar syndrome cheesy stuff but it's rarely scary and it rarely affects on a actual tense like i'm invested in this this is suspenseful it's more just like ah this is goofy and fun. but this works as a horror movie and a christmas yeah. movie like this is one i could see myself actually adding to like the christmas rotation yeah um, and to go back to the idea of the stakes where we like typically in a movie like this, you know, well, the kid is off limits. However, there is a part where the Santa successfully stabs this kid in the leg. And then we get an amazing 80s action movie cliche of our hero, like bandaging up his, you know, his wound except it's this kid and he's got all these like this war paint on and he uses like the leg of a chair as a splint. And it's just, it's just like, it's, it's scary, but it's also awesome. Like it's, it's a Christmas movie. It's a horror movie. It's an action movie. It's really got a little bit of everything. And like, yeah, that, that scene too, like you're genuinely rooting for this kid because and I think that's what I really like too, is that Tommy felt fairly realistic, like in his reaction to things, like, you know, he's not just like getting stabbed and then like grinning and bearing it, you know, like he's, he's like crawling across the floor and he's crying and he's telling his grandfather, like, it's okay. It's okay. I just hurt myself when I fell. Cause he doesn't want his grandpa in the suit of armor to worry. And it's like, it's just heartbreaking. Like how hard this kid is trying. And like, he's clearly like emotionally falling apart as the movie goes on. Yeah. Something that is worth noting is the kid never stops thinking that this is Santa Claus. Yeah, in his mind, this is like actual Santa. Yeah. Because I think at one point his mother tells him that if you try to see Santa, he gets angry and turns into an ogre. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Right at the very beginning of the movie. Oh, mom, Jesus. Yeah. There's never that moment where he realizes, oh, no, this is an evil man dressed as Santa. To the bitter end of this movie, he is firmly under the belief this is the real Santa trying to murder him. Yes. Which makes it all so much sadder. And I think that that 
splint montage is the one that like kind of leads into the dog one as well. It's like all kind of one part and parcel. And then, yeah, that's where he kind of goes full on like attack mode and starts building traps and, and the house, I think at this point is on lockdown. I think that's also part of what triggers it is that at one point he like hits a button on his armband that like locks down all the windows and doors. So like they don't have a way out, which is why Gramps is now in the suit of armor because they can't leave. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I guess the mom the whole time she suspects something's wrong because she can't get through. So she's speeding home to find out what's going on. So we're cutting back and then a cop, you know, we we get the definitely horror movie staple of the cop who shows up to be like, what's going on? No, I'm dead. I actually, I looked away for two seconds and I missed the cop dying. I'm not going to lie. I kind of eh. inferred that he was yeah. probably dead. Uh, and then, I mean, we've spoiled everything, so we might as well, it well keep it going. Like, it doesn't end happy, per se. No, like, that kid is going to need so much therapy. Yeah, the grandpa shoots Santa in another tent scene, because, again, I feel like this is the kind of movie that would end with the grandpa accidentally <laughs> shooting the kid. Yep. But he shoots Santa, and then the mom comes home to her dad and her son next to the body of a dead guy in a Santa suit and the kid going, I tried to see Santa. I'm so sorry. Credits Bonnie Tyler song. And like this kid is genuinely a good actor. Like he looks genuinely traumatized in that last scene. Like he's got like the thousand yard stare and like, he's just like completely done. Like he is destroyed. Also fun drinking game. Take a shot. Every time one of us says the word genuinely. But it's a good word to summarize our thoughts because I had watched it first and I told you, oh, the movie's actually in French that it's subtitled and you were you messaged back. Oh, I'm going to watch the subtitled version because then we can probably poke fun at some bad subtitles. And I didn't say anything. But in the moment, I was like, oh, you think this is a very different movie than what you're about to watch. Yeah, I again, like I really did expect it to be. I almost said genuinely, but um, I really did expect people it. People want to be. a drink now. We're going to deprive them. <laughs> Friends, don't do that drinking, and you will probably be dead before You're we so finish sick. this episode. <laughs> You're so sick now. Take a shot of um, eggnog. No, don't do that. Disgusting. Yeah, that's true too. Um, yeah, I thought it was going to be like a cheesy, bad kind of like basically like diehard kid version sort of thing. I didn't know much about this movie going in, so I didn't even kind of draw that connection to Home Alone until I was already into it. I think I mentioned it like on our on our Discord and someone mentioned that it was it came out a year before Home Alone. So I'm like, okay, well I guess it's probably gonna be some similarities there. But otherwise I didn't really know what direction the movie was going in. I was going based purely on the cover. Do you think there is any even slight chance that John Hughes was aware of this movie when he was making Home Alone? I don't know. I feel like they're like the theme is similar, but I think like everything else, it's it's a completely different movie. Yeah. I did read that the director was pretty convinced that Home Alone looked and, you know, when you break it down, the idea, I think even Tales from the Crypt did an episode about, you know, an evil Santa breaking into a house. It doesn't, I don't want to, you know, tear down the script. I think it's a very good movie. But the idea of like, hey, what if a Santa broke into a house and tried to kill people? You can get there. 
Yeah, it's not like a super unique idea that like no one has ever thought of before. I think the execution here is probably better than most would manage. Yeah, I don't, oof, I think they go for it. I don't, I, as much as I don't like saying, oh, you couldn't make a movie like this today. I don't know if you could, at least not here, maybe in France. Yeah, I don't know that you're getting away with that. Like, especially when he slaps the shit out of that kid. I feel like that right there, like that scene alone was where I was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, this movie's going to go for it. Like, it's not going to hold back. Yeah, or you get the more Home alone version where, oh, this is, you know, he's Rambo Jr. and he's super smart and super capable and he's going to take, which this kid is, but like you said, it always also balances that with, this is a child. He just got stabbed. He is crying and it hurts. And he's sad about his dog. He's scared for his grandfather. His voice is shaky, but he's trying to sound brave. I feel like if they tried to do it today, it would be like a very cutesy movie. Like, It'd be yeah, it would be, it would be closer to Home Alone. Yeah. Yeah. Where the closest I think Kevin McAllister ever comes to danger is when they catch him. And Joe Pesci's form of punishment is, I'm going to eat your fingers. But then he gets smashed in the face with a shovel and lives. Well, and from what I remember, like Kevin McAllister is kind of like enjoying this. He's having, you know, not necessarily the time of his life, but he's like kind of enjoying that, you know, he's set these traps and he's taunting them. Like you said, like this kid never really does that, except right after he buries the dog. He's got kind of his little monologue Which where is... he tells Santa like he's done playing basically yeah. like he's coming for him. Although Africa's at one point. If I'm remembering now right, Santa does catch him, but he says, you know, I'm going to let you go and I'm going to hide or now yeah. I'm going to be it. Yeah, they're like playing hide and seek and he's saying like count to 20 and like don't don't cheat. And this kid is just shaking like he's absolutely terrified. And like, I think that's the other thing that makes this so creepy is because Santa is clearly evil. He is clearly a bad man, but he's also clearly not like an entirely stable man. Like, I don't yeah. think he's necessarily, you know, he's not he's not being malicious for the sake of being malicious i think he's just been rejected and he's and that's one of the only lines he has too he doesn't really talk no he doesn't uh no which is interesting because we do get to kind of question as we've been doing what is his motive and you raise an interesting point because once again laying groundwork in the beginning we see that he wants to join this snowball fight and it doesn't seem like he wants to join it for necessarily nefarious reasons He's just, oh, this looks fun. I want to play the snowball fight with these kids. And they naturally, you know, this is weird. And they take off. So does he actually have weird intentions for this kid initially? Or is he actually like, I want to play games with this child. And then when things take a turn, he's like, okay, well, now I have to defend myself. Yeah, it's all very weird. And like, even in that initial snowball scene, he's kind of got like this sort of look of like childish wonder as he's trying to like join in on the fun and then they all kind of run away and he just looks sad. So yeah, it, it's hard to tell. I mean, again, he smacks the shit out of a kid. So yeah, that is, there is also the, the scene where he's nicest man. He smacks a kid and is lovingly stroking the child's face. So yes, maybe I take that back. Creepy. He is up. Yes, he probably, but... He does also just, you know, I want to play hide and seek. I don't know if he's like, I want to put the fear in this kid or if that's just him going, I want to play a game of hide and seek. Yeah. And I mean, the game of hide and seek also comes after he's already stabbed the kid, which is, you know. Oh, yeah. There's also that. Okay. So there isn't as much gray area. Santa, as Santa's, Santa's a very complex character. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. 
maybe the, I don't know why I'm trying to find, you know, maybe this guy's not so bad. Okay. Yeah. He's really no, bad. But, like, I, it, but that's the thing, right? Like this movie did it really well because right up until the end, it's like, obviously Santa is not a good man, but I don't think he's all bad either. I think that, you know, his intentions were probably not entirely on the up and up considering that he also like killed, he kills the caretakers too. I don't think we touched on that. Oh no, we didn't. Yeah, he that's true. Kills them to get access to the property. But yeah, no, he's he's very complex, and I don't. I think we're supposed to feel, you know, a little bit, a, a little bit, you know, um, sympathetic towards him. Yeah, and good for them for not, you know, at the start of the movie, the mom is listening to the radio, and you hear, oh, an escaped mental patient is says, and he's in a Santa suit. Oh no, like there's not that, or he doesn't have a whole speech about, you know, when I was a kid, I used to love Christmas, and then my dad burned me with a cigarette or I don't know, whatever. No, made, you get me... none of that. No, it, it's literally, I think his, he's got like three lines. I think he asks for a job at the beginning and then he, um, he asks for a job at the beginning and then you've got him saying that he wants to play hide and seek. And then once the kid is, you know, now seeking, except not actually, he's trying to find insulin for his grandfather. Um, he goes to the caretaker's place and he manages to like get into the cop car and like get on the cop rate, like on the radio and Santa's in the back seat and he just like pops up. And he's like, you cheated. And that's kind of like, it's that, I think that was like his last line. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's the, um, you know, show don't tell. Yep. And we it did it very well. This movie wouldn't have benefited from knowing, Oh, that's his motivation. It's so much worse to just go, huh, I wonder why he's doing these terrible things. Yep. Yeah. We get like we get the motivation of like why he goes after Tommy specifically. Yeah. Just, you know, bad luck with mostly. Yeah. Just his mother happens to be there and the boyfriend or whatever happens to be giving the delivery instructions for Tommy's gifts. And like, that's the other thing, right? Like the fact that Tommy was chatting to this guy over the weird molester santa kiosk like that doesn't even seem to really factor in it's coincidence more than anything else yeah uh and the friend does come back in another tent scene where he just shows up at the yes. house and Tommy's like get the fuck out of here and Which, he... that was that was my one issue right because like the whole thing is that they can't exit the house but then the friend just kind of like walks in the front door yeah and then he's out santa chases him and again tense because i figured this is the kind of movie where the friend that that kid's friend could die and he nearly does he like wipes out on his bike and like there's a very tense scene where yeah this kid is going like absolutely crazy on his little bike through some kind of orchard or something yeah while Santa chases him just doing like an absolutely insane run yeah their property has an orchard and a spa and i mean clearly the mom's a big anytime you got to work on christmas eve in an office that's very high in the building you're making a lot of money well i so. think she said that they made 10 million dollars that night yeah. at one point so they're which doing is why she very was staying well. through the accounting yeah she's doing all right uh those are kind of my thoughts like i said i didn't take any notes because it never even really occurred to me while i was watching it to note anything down but no, uh, I didn't take any either because it was just like, it just kept going. Like, at what point are you stopping to take notes? Yeah, but I mean, we've already said it, but it was really good. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a good movie. It really is. I would, I would have given it probably like four and a half, five stars. Like, I really enjoyed it. I could see myself definitely watching it again. Yeah, it's 
it's very unique. It is a very, it, it, it could have been very, what's the word I want? The fact that they're trying to mash up so many genres, it could have ended up a little all over the place. Like, is this supposed to be funny or aggravate? But it, it walks that tightrope really well. And the way I'll connect this to the concept of So Do We Still Like This, since it is a movie from 89, it deserves the excitement that people had when they found out, oh shit, this, you know, 20 plus year old movie is finally going to get a proper release here. Uh, it, it holds up terrifically. Yep, absolutely. Like seeing it for the first time, you know, 30 plus years after it came out, it definitely holds water. And those people who were excited were right to be excited. The fact that you just reminded me that when I said 20 plus, I was a decade off <laughs> makes me so sad. Ah, <laughs> uh, what's something you're currently enjoying? Oh, geez. I don't know. I'm never prepared for this segment. You'd think eventually I would catch on that. Like, this is something that we're going to do. Um, I can go first. I actually have something. Yeah, go. <laughs> and it's Christmassy. So it's even more on brand. Um, I mean, it's typically pretty rare that we find new Christmas movies to add to the stable of Christmas movies. But in addition to Deadly Games, we watched Happiest Season, which Mm. um, it's on Hulu in the States. And one of the rare times when Canada cut us a break and also got it, you just have to, you know, pay for a digital rental or purchase. And, you know, it's the it's the big thing was like, hey, it's a typical kind of not typical but it's you know it's your holiday rom-com except it's a romance story between two women and that was kind of the big thing uh it's very good it's i mean it's it's a holiday movie so you'll get some laughs and then in the third act things will get weirdly sad and emotional and but uh, the cast is super good i'm glad that kristen stewart continues to thrive in a post-twilight world And we all kind of, as a society, seem to have moved past that now. I don't see a lot of like, oh, Kristen Stewart, really? Like, I think most of us have now realized, oh, we we weren't fair to judge her. No, I think she's come into her own a little bit more in the last few movies. That one's on my to watch list. I'm hoping to get to it maybe this weekend. Yeah, it's it's very she's very good in it. Uh, This like Aubrey Plaza is not playing her usual character, and that was kind of cool and. Yeah, very good ensemble. Just a very, we stayed up way too late because we were like, I kind of want to see where this goes. And we didn't want to split it up into two nights. So that's kind of the ultimate compliment you can give a movie is we chose to sleep less and we have two children. So think about how sleep, how important sleep is to us and you can figure out the rest. Okay, I'll, I'll keep it festive then too. Um, this is one I watched a little bit ago, but I think it it's worth mentioning. Um, the Holidate, which I think is on Netflix. Yeah. So I absolutely hate Emma Roberts. Like I, from the bottom of my heart, I absolutely <laughs> despise her. Is she your so, female Jason Biggs? A little not bit, Not quite yeah. to that level. She, she's very close to that level for me. I really do not like her. But I'd heard that this movie was cute, so I gave it a chance. And yeah, it's actually, it's really fun. It's basically like if a Hallmark movie involved a lot of swearing and sex and, you know, like more adult themes and less dates where they walk around drinking hot chocolate. Um, you basically get this movie and it's kind of fun too. Cause it's, yes, it's a Christmas movie, but like the whole concept is they 
you know, get together for any occasion where you would typically need a date, but like, they're not together. They're just a holiday. So, you know, you go through like Easter, St. Patrick's, like that 4th of July, they kind of do the whole year, you know, throughout the movie. So it's not, it's not limited to just Christmas, but it is Christmassy. Okay. So, yeah. I, I'd, I'd recommend that one. It was a lot of fun. Even it, it's probably the only time I've actually enjoyed Emma Roberts in something. Is it because she doesn't play the same character she plays in every single other movie she's ever been in? No, she's still the same kind of like miserable person. Sarcastic. Yeah. Mm. Kind of like the, the sarcastic kind of mean girl a little bit, but it, it works a little bit better. And I think like she had really good chemistry with, with the male lead. I have no idea what his name is. No, I don't know. He's that's, some guy. That's good to know. We almost started that last night, but it was a little late. So we ended up watching one of those like they did the a holiday version of the movies who made us thing mm. on Netflix, like the little, Hey, 45 minutes about the story behind this movie. So we watched the Christmas one for elf. Okay. Which felt, you know, those things are interesting, but they are a little too determined to be quirky. I haven't um, seen any of them. I didn't. I, yeah. They're interesting, but there's a lot of like quick edits and little jokey edits and, at a certain point, it's like, I kind of just want to know about the movie without you trying to find little clever jokes in the editing. And Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, well, that's our Deadly Games episode. I hope everybody did go watch it before they listened, or at least maybe now that you've heard us talk about it, you went, okay, I'm going to go check this out, even though I know everything that happens beat for beat. Yeah, but I mean, we didn't get, like, we didn't touch on absolutely everything, and you don't get to see, you know, I think it's worth watching just to to see how freaking excellent this kid is. Yes. I have no idea if he did anything else other than Deadly Games, but I think like, I, I mean I think I still have the IMDb up. Let's click his name. You always know they're still around if their IMDb photo is them as an adult, and this one is a photo of him from this movie. So yeah, probably not. It actually. I mean, oh, it looks like he switched careers now and does mostly visual effects. He did the visual effects for. X-Men Dark Phoenix, The Lost in Space Netflix show, San Andreas, Edge of Tomorrow. I'm skipping past stuff like 47 Ronin and Slenderman because, you know, he probably doesn't want to talk about those, but good for him. And I mean, really, if you're going to quit, if you're going to like just, you know, do a one and done acting career, I'd say this is kind of like... He could be proud to look on, on Deadly Games as his acting masterpiece. Yeah, it looks like he really only did one other movie, and it was before this. So it kind of feels like he did Deadly Games and went, I'm going to go out on top. Yep. And He's he not did. improving on that. So no, I've peaked a good choice. at nine. So I'm, I'm just going to fold. A wise choice by Tommy. Oh, yes. Uh, thank you to Sam also for indulging me in this weird cinematic adventure. Yeah, thank you for putting this on my radar because that was that was a really good one. And now all that's left to do is break the final podcasting rule. Watch a movie nobody on the episode ever actually enjoyed, which mm, next week comes close. So tune in for, as the holiday episodes continue. Uh, thank you to Tev Sound for the theme song. Follow us on all the platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find links to all of those in the show notes. Write us a review. Leave us some stuff. I know a whole lot of people have jumped on board since that Phantom episode. So if you've stuck around, thank you you know, very much. And I hope you continue to enjoy the show. And damn it. How do we end this thing? <laughs> that wasn't a hypothetical. <laughs> Sam, how do we end this thing? <laughs> 
Uh, how about just a PSA to just not piss off mall Santas? Don't piss off mall Santas, and you're all kidding yourselves. Eggnog is garbage. Yes, it is. Good night, everybody. Good night. So for all those things nostalgic, I also do we sit like this.